Hello there and welcome to this The Talking Dogs podcast. I'm Graham Hall and I've been working with dogs and their owners too for over 10 years now. Now you might know me as the dog father. Perhaps you've caught me on television's dogs behaving very badly. Now once that TV show airs, I'm always inundated with requests for advice on how to deal with various dog behavioural issues. So that's why I love doing this podcast. It's the place where I can answer as many of those questions as possible, as well as telling a few stories of my own. Now this, I'm sad to say, is the last episode of this series of Talking Dogs. So I thought we'd have a bit of fun to mark the occasion. Well, I say fun. I mean, obviously we have fun on this podcast, but I'm going to dedicate this episode to the questions and queries I've I've had over the last couple of months that really make me smile because on first impression, they sound a bit quirky or bizarre. Uh, although I think that we're, we're quickly going to learn that A, your odd problem is probably much more common than you think. And B, it might actually be worth talking uh, about it and taking it fairly seriously. Let's start with a section which my producer sent through to me uh, and the title of the voice note was Nicky eating poo. I suspect it's Nicky's dog who's eating the poo, but I tell you what, shall we, um, shall we find out together, shall we? So I've got a 14-week-old miniature schnauzer called Otto. In the last week or two, weirdly when he's got better at toilet training and going outside... He hasn't been letting us know when he wants to go for a number two. So we'll find that he'll wake us up um, normally around the same time and we'll go to his crate and find that he's already been awake and he's gone for a number two and he's eaten it. So I have caught him the other night. He was rustling around, wasn't crying like he normally does. And I thought, right, he's done this a couple of times. I'll go and check. So I went to go check. Lo and behold... Um, He had just eaten his poo, so I told him no um, and took him straight outside. Why is he not letting us know when he needs to go for a number two? And obviously, massive question, why is he eating it? Anything to get this nipped immediately. I really don't want this to become a habit. Okay, so toilet training. Uh, now, listen, it's um, it's not unusual. My head, by the way, just went to Tom Jones there. I was listening to a bit of Tom Jones yesterday. It's not unusual to be pooing in the middle of the night. Now, let's not go there. Um, it's not unusual at 15 weeks. Um, you can tell it's the end of the series, can't you? <laughs> I'm not too worried about most of this stuff uh, and the weeing in the night and all that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure this is going to fix itself, uh, Nicky. It's really rare for me to come across a one-year-old dog, for example, uh, who's not toilet trained. And, you know, four, five, six months, not quite there, not entirely unusual. Although when you've got these kind of issues with a puppy, it feels as though you're the only one in the world because everybody else you talk to tells you that, oh, no, our puppy was perfect from the first week we had them, you know. And and that's probably also true, but it's not that usual. Let's focus on um, this eating poo thing. So there's there's a word for this, a coprophagia. So this is quite known, you know, to the extent that there is that word for it. Um, so behaviourists are very familiar with this. So the question is... Why would he eat poo? Right? Well, let's not think about this from a human point of view, right? We're not dogs, and they have a fantastic sense of smell. And there's the first clue. But the other thing about their sense of smell is it, it'll split out lots of different smells in one single thing. So, for example, 
you walk into somebody's kitchen and you smell something like lasagna and you're ever so pleased with yourself because you've hit it on the head that they are indeed cooking lasagna clever you well a dog would go in and go okay so i can smell beef mince sort of half cooked that fancy rapeseed oil stuff from waitro uh, and and there's there's there's, there's a tin of tomatoes different batch to the can i smelled the other day so it's a hunting skill where does it come from well as a predator you need to be out in the in the field the woods wherever going right i can smell oak tree grass earth rabbit ah rabbit i'll focus on that one the next thing to know is that some commercial dog food has a very strong smell when it goes in right uh, and it's still there by the time it comes out the other end so unlike us when he sticks his nose in that general direction he doesn't think dog poo he thinks mm, well there's this and there's that and there's that oh if I'm not very much mistaken, there's the tasty chicken supreme meal in there somewhere. And so he's like, right, I'll find it. I'll have a bit of that. It's good for me. And because he's a puppy, he's pre-programmed to build a body. He wants to get every bit of nutrition in that he can. So that's why it's not as unusual as you probably might think. And they do tend to grow out of it, but not always. The worst case I ever saw was a chocolate Labrador that I went to see. And she was two, three years old, I think. Now, you know what Labradors are like for being famously hungry but in the middle of the night she was getting out of her bed going across to the rug on the on the living room floor doing a number two there picking it up taking it to her bed having a bit for now and then saving a bit for later so by the time they woke up in the morning it was all over the bed all over her and because she was a chocolate labrador you could barely tell what was fur and what wasn't yeah not nice eh um now i, I had a bit of this with uh, with gordon my rotty um he would do it axel wouldn't but he would even hang around and until Axel had done one, and it was like, God, no, don't <laughs> So, and it faded away. It was absolutely fine. Now, I've got to say, prevention is better than cure for this kind of thing. If you can, if it's possible, make sure you're there when they do it so you can clean it up straight away. So you've reduced the opportunity. But if they do go to get it, it's okay to tell them off. So, again, as long as you don't go mad you don't go over the top with this right so it's like ah no you know and catch them if you can i mean they'll be pretty insistent you know think in terms of trying to get a dog uh, not to take uh, a treat that's on the floor it's the same deal really um, hard for us to believe i know if it's happening while you're asleep it is more difficult of course so let's have a look at your routine how much are you feeding him is it the right amount look at the guidelines on the pack if it's too much he's going to be producing a bit more out the other end could we feed him earlier in the day so it's been through his system and he's been to the toilet before he goes to bed it's not so likely to happen in the middle of the night and have you given him lots of opportunity when you go on that last trip to the garden or wherever it is in an evening so so feed him a bit earlier make sure it's the right amount and then you know before you go to bed go out with him hang around hang around hang around and give him plenty of chance so as far as you can you want to be basically emptying him out before he goes to bed And now, as they say, for something completely different. I've got an email from Rebecca and Kieran. Now, Rebecca says, Our five-year-old German shepherd, Collie Cross Brucey, is terrified every time either of us talk to the Amazon Echo Dot. <laughs> he jumps up from wherever he's sitting when either of us talk to it and starts to kiss us for at least a minute, which is not normal for him unless he's been told off, which is never 
<laughs> oh, there you go. Um, I personally think there may be a connection with the fire alarm. It goes into a complete meltdown should the battery start to die and it starts to do that audible bleep thing. Kieran's not so sure. Well, I've got to say, I think those Amazon and Google things and others are available are a bit odd myself, if I'm honest. Uh, call me a Luddite and all that, but, you know, rather than go, here, turn the lights on, I'm, I'm like, there's a switch on the wall over there. Although my issues are more to do with privacy, if I'm honest. Um, but uh, let's not go off on on one of those. I think Bruce is probably not worried about his privacy and all the rest of it, but it is interesting about the fire alarm. Uh, maybe he's just really sensitive to certain sounds. Electronic beeping doesn't exist in nature, right? And, and neither do electronic sounds that come through speakers in general. So nothing about the evolution of a German Shepherd or a Border Collie has prepared them for electronic sounds. And Shepherds and Border Collies, and if you think about it, by the way, there's a big connection there. German Shepherd dog, Border Collie, they're, they're, they're also sheep dogs, aren't they? They're often the ones I think of when it comes to sound sensitivity. I've got a bit of a theory of that. If, you, if your, your breeding was about being out in the countryside chasing sheep, you're likely to develop a tendency to be alert, um, spot movement very quickly. You're probably quite good at manipulating <laughs> which they do sheep and owners but nothing in the last few thousand years sort of you know prepared you for for alexa really now look i had a bit of a, a giggle when i read your email straight away because straight away i thought this is quite funny because it's like alexa make the dog kiss me uh, but actually, there is a bit of a serious side to this, and the temptation is to make fun of it. And I can just see the funny video um, that, that that idea would produce. But it's not really fun in games. There, there's hundreds of... I haven't searched for this, but I'll bet you there's hundreds of funny videos on YouTube of exactly that kind of thing. But the trouble is, you'll end up rewarding that behaviour in your reaction, you know? So in a nutshell here, I, I just say, look, it, it's not it's not red flags for me. I'm not too worried about it, but you don't want to encourage it either. And I don't don't think I'd be really telling him off very much for it, but it's just business as usual. Just be normal. It's like no, no, no. It's just, just you know, <laughs> it's the same as flicking the light switch on or whatever. So um, get it over yourself, kind of thing. So, and in the meantime, well, enjoy the kisses. Well, next up, we've got uh, Nicola's dog, who has a strange obsession. I might have a strange obsession myself. I just realised we've got Nicola and Nicky this week, and you've you've both got weird and wonderful dogs. What is it about weird and wonderful dogs? Have they all got a mum called Nicky or Nicola? Hello, Graham. My dog Sid chases helicopters. He's a five-year-old puggle, and he came to me from Battersea Dogs Home at about one and a half years old. One of Sid's little quirks is that he chases helicopters. He will happily ignore planes... Helicopters are his thing. And I live on the flight path into Battersea Heliport. I've tried all the obvious things. I've shouted no. I've tried distractions. Um, you know, what's this? But he's off the lead. He's gone. And really at speed. In my garden, he runs around like an absolute lunatic, barking his nut off every time a helicopter goes over. Also, I worry about the fact that he disturbs my neighbours when he barks all the time at helicopters. People don't always understand it. So I would love to get your help on how to stop Sid chasing helicopters. He has such fun, but somehow it does seem like a problem we need to fix. Well, hello, Nicola. <laughs> 
made me smile when you started. Hello, Graham. Hello, Nicola. You enunciate very well. I wonder what you do for a living. In my mind, you're an actress. Now, listen, I'm listening to your voice notes and I'm thinking, uh, before you even said you're on the flight path to, to Battersea Heliport, I think, yeah, OK, Battersea um, Dogs Home. Now, now I, I know that area of London fairly well and there are always helicopters around, of course, because of that heliport just, just there. I was I was kind of, you know that thing where you, um, uh, you breathe on your fingernails and polish them on your lapel? I was like doing that when you said, I live under the, the flight path as well. So that's a big deal for you, isn't it? It's not as though a helicopter's like once in a blue moon. So I think the first thing that I need to do uh, before I can give you any advice is to understand what's what's actually going on, what's going on in Sid's head. And I do this with any case where I kind of look at it and go, right, let's, let's see what I can find out about the history here or where this might have come from. So let's do that bit of detective work together and suss out these, these clues. So three and a half years, he's been barking at these helicopters so started presumably when he was at uh, Battersea as far as you know now that was a traumatic time in his life because they're, they're good people there they do uh, great work but for a dog to land in a rescue center is, is never going to be nice is it so he associates the sound of helicopters with that terribly traumatic time in his life now it, it's interesting you, you say oh, he's having a jolly old time but actually I'm not sure that he is you know and I'll tell you why so you sent a video in uh, and I can see that he, he barks. It, initially, by the way, he doesn't go bananas to start with. He, he starts to bark a little bit, and occasionally he looks at you as well, perhaps for a little bit of uh, reaction, you know. But interestingly, once the helicopter's gone, straight away, and almost obsessively, he's boom, straight off to the bushes and having a little sniff, which you might think was a strange time to do that. But I recognise that as a displacement behaviour. And, and let me describe what that is so the the best human example is biting your nails it's a behavior that we do dogs do too when they're trying to sort of take their mind off something and it's just a habit that you get into so in the end you're doing it without even thinking about it but it's usually triggered by a bit of anxiety all right so the sniffing the ground is kind of irrelevant just like biting the nails is there is nothing intrinsically sort of curative about biting your nails is there and dogs often sniff the ground in, in that kind of obsessive way uh, as well as sniffing the ground for different reasons so i think that's the significant part there so i think there is an element of getting rid of the helicopter yeah sure but i think he's anxious about it and i can tell that because of what happened immediately afterwards that that displacement thing right another way to think of that is a dog kind of going <laughs> i don't like this don't like it don't like it you know so the immediate thing was he's like oh i think there's one coming i'm not so sure i'm thinking i'm about to bark which might be a time when you could get in with a quick no then he looks at you as if to say uh, um, are you are you worried about helicopters too so maybe he's not getting much from me i can't see what you're doing of course he then barks helicopter goes away and he's like <laughs> not happy so do you know what? i'd have him on lead a bit more if you get the option to do that so that he's with you and he can't be away particularly if he's going to bother other people as you say but with that very first bark that's when i do a quick from uh, uh, no you know so it's like no in other words it's a helicopter it's fine don't worry about it right now obviously because we know he's anxious i don't want you to go over the top with that but i think we just need to mark it no that's not what i want you to do when you hear a helicopter so that little bit of looking back at you for guidance uh, before he spirals out of control that's the moment that you could praise him actually because for that second or so, he's doing nothing. He's looking at you and he's saying nothing. He's not barking, right? So if he looks at you, you could go, oh, good boy, right? So if you do that nice and calmly, by the way, because you don't want to rev him up, 
Good boy. If he then goes rah, rah, and he carries on, uh, no, then you can flick back into that. So the message here is looking at me, optional extra, but being quiet, key. <laughs> I'm going to reward it with a bit of calm praise. But when you go off again, I'll let you know that's not that's not right. If you could put into words what he's saying, what I'm hearing is I don't like it, don't like it, don't like it. So just be a bit careful with that telling off. Um, I don't overdo it. I don't want him to be scared of helicopters and you. The thing is, we do have to tell him off a bit because otherwise you're only doing half the story. You're telling him the good bits, um, but you're not telling him what you want him to do or not telling him what's bad when he is barking, if that makes sense. So there you go. It's a quirky one. I think there's a sort of serious thing behind it, but it's really interesting. So, yeah, why helicopters? I think we know. Right then, one last story before I go. I went to see this bloke. He just adopted a border collie from a local rescue organisation. And I asked what it was like with traffic, because often, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, border collies can be a bit funny with traffic, right? And he said, no, no, he's absolutely fine, except for white transit vans, right? And I went, white transit vans, that's very specific. And uh, so I asked for more info, and he went, yeah, yeah, no, he's fine with, you know, cars, Lorries, buses, I mean, lorries and buses are the usual ones. Fast-moving cars, yeah, not a problem. Cars with headlights on, that often does border collies because it's like two big white eyes coming towards them. Uh, even small vans, you know, like the, the the sort of small courier vans that you see. Fine, fine. But transit size van in white will send him apoplectic, right? So white, what, like, not... <laughs> Not any other colour. No, no, it has to be white and it's going to be transit size. But if it is, he goes bananas. So sure enough, we went for a walk down the road and uh, lorries went past, nothing, buses, all the rest of it. Little van went past. A transit size van went past in a sort of yellowy colour. I think you know the particular courier firm I'm talking about with little red bits on it. Not a Scooby, not a thing. And then a white van. And there are lots of them around, right? A white transit van. And he went spinning, barking, going mad. It was the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. Why that? And we'll never know is the honest truth. But I've got a theory. Uh, and so I'll share it with you. He was found wandering the streets by the local council dog warden. Nobody knows how long he'd been on the streets. So my only guess is that one at one point he's probably gone to cross the road and been almost run over by a white transit van or something like that. Or, or, um, or maybe he was even hit by one. But he remembers the sight of that white transit-sized van and he's said to himself, because dogs are super logical, he's gone, those, they're dangerous. I hate those things. So so every time he sees one, he's just beside himself. But if it's a different colour, it's not dangerous. If it's bigger, it's not dangerous. If it's fast, it, driven by a maniac, it's not dangerous. But if it's a white transit van, it's bad news. There are dozens of other absolutely brilliant stories I could have told here, but there's only so much time, right? And listen, we've had so many inquiries from everybody and from literally all over the world, including as far away as, as Australia. Um, hello, or rather, day. So wherever you come from, if it's just down the road or the other side of the earth, it's just great to have you along. So I'm going to leave you and, and end off this series with a little story. And it's this. 
that once upon a time there was a little boy walking along a beach one morning as he often did but this particular morning tens of thousands of starfish had been washed onto the beach and they were still alive but they they couldn't get back to the sea and they were going to die so he was walking along picking up a starfish and throwing it into the sea and an old man came along uh, and said to him you might say wisely look young man you're wasting your time right you cannot make a difference here there are tens of thousands of starfish and all you're doing is picking up one at a time you might as well give in give it up i've seen it many many times before you can't help and the little boy picked up one more starfish and threw it into the sea and turned to the man and said well i made a big difference to that one (laughs) and that's what i'm trying to do Um, I can't help everybody all the time, but I can pick up a starfish now and again and throw it back in the sea. So if I've helped you in some way, that's what matters to me. Thank you so much for joining me on this series of Talking Dogs. I've really enjoyed our weekly catch-ups. So look after yourself, won't you? Uh, And of course, your dogs. Goodbye for now.